0: Hi, and welcome to the Strategy Hero podcast, the podcast that's all about diving into the world of business strategy, transformation, and operational excellence. Featuring insights and experiences from some of the most successful leaders in the field, today I have a brilliant guest, a mentor, and a friend that I cannot wait to talk to, James Davis. James is a product leader who has held several leadership roles in four venture capital-backed software startups, including uh, those roles being CEO, CPD, NED, and a chairman. Starting his career at KPMG, James has gone on to consult at some of the world's leading tech companies, such as Broadcom, Dell, Oracle Sun, and NTT. Since 2020, he served as the Chief Product Officer at iNexus, but today he's our strategy hero. James, welcome. How are
1: you? Hi, James. Thanks very much. Uh, it's a lot to live up to being uh, cited as a strategy leader, but yeah, it's not nice to be here and I'm happy to share what little I know.
0: <laughs> can't wait to uh yeah, I can't wait to to hear more about uh, what you're gonna talk about today. So um without further ado, um could you just you know talk to us really about your experience in in the world of, of strategic leadership, um and, and then sort of give everyone a little bit of a preview of, of what you want to talk about today.
1: Yeah, I mean always hard to boil down one's career when one has gray hairs like this but you know kind of half of my career spent with strategic management consulting and you you rattled off some of the companies that i've been blessed to to work with um and you know the other half of my career is is very much working with software companies um you know which is what i do today you know at iMexus as you say as cpo so you know applying technology to help companies to implement those processes that perhaps have originated out of a management consulting engagement or, or something like that ilk
0: so when we were coming up with with topics for for today's uh for today's episode there are a couple of different things that we that we wanted to to look at but what really stood out was um you know taking a look back at, at, at what's happened since 2020 um you know markets have converged uh, supply chains fragmented, and and now we have the five key generations living and working side by side. It means that every industry has had to take a long, hard look at how they're creating value for their customers. In today's episode, um, we're gonna be talking all about strategy creation. So from the top, James, what are you seeing within organizations and and I guess at an industry level, that are trying to, people that are trying to create strategies, what are, what are the observations that you, you've you noticed talking to our customers, talking to colleagues um, about how they're, they're, they're approaching creation of strategy?
1: Mm. You know, and you, you say 2020 and that's, you know, when things, you know, ostensibly began to fall apart and we got into this vicious uh, circle of uncertainty yielding volatility, yielding uncertainty and you know, I think overwhelmingly, you know, what I've seen in the last two, three years is the agenda has shifted from how do we best execute our strategy to, you know, what is our strategy? Um, you know what I'm like, uh, you know, I tend to tend to be contrarian in, in some senses. And, and, you know, and I think a lot of companies were caught sleepwalking with COVID. And uh, what COVID has brought to the marketplace in terms of uncertainty has put the agenda onto strategy as well as strategy creation and uh, having that as a, as a means to be able to deal with that uncertainty, which kind of leads on to the next observation, I think, which is not only is the emphasis being placed on strategy creation alongside strategy, cre- uh, strategy execution, but those traditional methods that perhaps companies have still been being, uh, being struggling to implement around annual strategic planning it's just blown out of the water. I mean, you know, it, it seems pretty clear now that maybe as soon as five years time, 10 years time, there'll be no concept of annual strategic planning, it will all be adaptive or agile, you know, pick your term depending on the literature you read or, or who you listen to. But that whole notion of, you know, it, it's not good enough just to plan a, a year's worth of work and then check at the end of the year whether it's been done and whether it yielded results. It's Now we live in a world where you review your strategy every quarter, you know, you're you're planning increments of work and you're taking an agile approach to delivery. You know, so those are two kind of major trends that I see, Uh, you know, I won't say a renewed focus on strategy creation, a a focus on strategy creation and, uh, you know, looking at things through a software lens, you know, the adoption of tooling to help companies to, you know take that put together that strategic plan and then execute it and, and track results so those would be my two kind of major observations
0: I think one of the things that that stands out to me from what you said there was, was sort of this vicious cycle that we're in um of, of, of uncertainty and I, I remember reading um I remember re- reading something from Michelle um Coho, who is a a Gartner managing vice president and she said, and this was in regards to, to project management, but I think that it, it does apply, you know, as we move move upward. She said, embrace change and uncertainty instead of trying to fit all projects to a rigid production line approach. And I think that really stands out to me when, when you're talking about um, the, the renewed focus isn't so much on, on strategy creation or even strategy execution. It's more about what is our, what is our strategy? I think something that we see quite a lot of is that people do lose sight of what their strategy is. And I guess if you're at that top level, you really shouldn't lose sight of what that strategy is. But do you feel like it's common that that a strategy is just being set um, and you know it, it's being created in in sort of isolation from from you know operational reality, and those people that are setting it aren't actually able to whether that's because of the tools or having the resource or or, um, the capacity to to review that strategy on a regular basis do you think that's something that is starting to be recognized as a key challenge to delivering value
1: yeah maybe you know 20 30 years ago the executive team would go off to some wonderful you know pick your resort of, of choice in a lovely location and strategize for two to three days and you know write it up and and throw it over the wall at the strategic planning team and, you know, there you go, this is our strategic intent. And, you know, I still think that there is an, an element of that. Um, and, and to what you said, to, you know, about projects, I mean, you know, that type of traditional project management approach is always going to be, you know, relevant in certain industries, uh, you know, in other industries where, you know, they, they're they able to take a different approach and then they can take a much more kind of a- agile approach to, you know, to, to project delivery, if you will
0: when you mention agile approach to project delivery and and, an agile approach to strategy, what do you consider that to mean? And what are your, how how have you come to that conclusion of that's, you know, that is where things should be heading?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you can chart agile over the last 20, 30 years as moving, you know, beyond software development, you know, into enterprise agile. Um, and so when I talk about agile delivery, really, I'm talking about using the agile methods beyond just, you know, software or product development in a, in, into other parts of your organization. You know, so, you know, commonly, and commonly referred to as enterprise agile. So that's agile delivery. You know, agile strategy or, or, or adaptive strategy really is, you know, it's, it's applying some of those same principles to how you go about uh, delivering, you, you know, on your strategic objectives. You know recognizing that those objectives might well change more frequently than on an on annual basis um you know perhaps quarterly um so every quarter you'd get together and see how do we do on delivering that last body of work maybe delivered over six sprints six two-week sprints something like that um seeing if anything's changed in in the internal external environment that might cause the strategy to change um and then you know plotting out the next quarter's work and now, that's what I mean by agile strategy, which is, you know, very, very different to laying out your stool for, for the year's worth of work and tracking what might end up being the wrong projects, uh, you right. know, but not having those decision points in between, you know, which is a nice segue, of course, to strategy creation and, and, you know, not just creating a strategy and, and then forgetting about it. It's, you know, how, how do you keep your finger on the pulse of, of executing that strategy, You know, everybody Mm. talks about executing the strategic plan, but at the same time, in parallel, you know, you've got to be surely, you know, monitoring your organization, your markets, your customers, your industries, the competition, um, you know, to ensure that your strategy is still relevant. And and if it isn't, then you need to make that change and you need to capture that quicker than 12 months, you know, ideally three months. But then, you you know, you bring another thing in, in, into, into play, which is change. You know, it's all very well for us to espouse the need to, you know, potentially change strategic direction every every three months. You know, that's easier said than done, right? You know, oil tankers taking 18 miles to, to change direction, you know, big, bigger organizations in particular, uh, you know, they're, they're going to struggle. You know, the, this transition is not going to be easy for a lot of companies, but it's going to be critical if they're going to survive.
0: Absolutely. And I think back to a conversation that you and I had, uh, probably two years ago where we were talking about an agile approach to to strategy and, um, just looking at a departmental level for, for, for my marketing organization, making that shift to an agile, um, adaptive approach hasn't been easy. There's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot more that you have to you know ring fence time to to be able to dedicate to to reviewing the strategy and there are times when yeah i i i aim for a quarterly but it sometimes ends up being a half year as we all know
1: <laughs> yeah um,
0: when, when we when we look at this um holistically what would you consider i mean i know what i would consider but i'm interested in what you would consider consider other common barriers and, and obstacles to creating a strategy and then if if we could look at sort of the review process after that, um, that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a good question. And, you, and of course, you know, my day job's around strategy execution. So this is all really just kind of observations from from what I've seen and read. Uh, and and kind of experiences inside, right? There's nothing better than, than, you know, trying these practices inside to see what challenges, you know, customers might be faced or clients might be faced when trying to do the same thing. So, you know, we, we touched upon, uh, you know, the first two a little bit, you know, complexity and uncertainty. You know, we, we joke at my age that, you know, it, when you're young, life is simple. And, you know, in some senses doing business was simple 20, 30 years ago, and, you know, things are different. Internal organizations are much more complex. You know, technology is more complex. The customer's more educated, you know, markets are shifting. Industries, in, you know, industry forces are accelerating. I mean, everything is is changing and creating complexity. And at the end of the day, you've got to wrestle that complexity to the ground. You no, know, but that's easier said than done. So I think you know, complexity is one thing. Uh, you know, uncertainty. We 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 talked about that. Um, you know, and and we talked about the negative side of it. You know, having to respond. To changes in the internal or external environment, but you know it could be a positive thing. There could be some innovation that's coming from your R and D organization, or a different way of doing things from a supply chain standpoint. And you know you want that innovation to bubble up to the surface. And then again, if you've got that quarterly cadence of of uh, monitoring your strategy, you can then take a step back and and see whether some of these new innovations and new ideas, can, you know, d- deserve to you know to 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 move forward you know potentially at the expense of something else so you know definitely uncertainty I mean it is an uncertain world and it's uncertain doing business in this uncertain world and finding a way to manage that uncertainty I think is critical um you know the next thing is not not unique to to strategy it's fragmentation of data You know if you've got to go hunting down data before you even discuss that data in order to see what the information and insight might be from that data you've just added weeks to your decision process so you know being able to centralize that data uh, and even better than that you know keep that data current and we'll come to that you know in a second when we talk about some of the other barriers but you know not having that information so you can't make ready decisions um, have that data readily accessible and, and kept current um, you know the next one would be time typically a, a strategy cycle can you know take two three four months something like that in cadence with, with you know with a financial calendar you know there's, there's a lot of time um, and I think people are put off by that you know we just can't put our day-to-day jobs aside and and you know put that time, however important it might be, in into developing strategy, you know. So finding the time to do it, finding the time to apply a little bit of rigor to strategy creation, I think is a, is a common barrier. And last but not least, you know, which keeps the consulting firms busy, um, you know, is know-how, skill and experience. You know, there's a reason why uh, companies farm this out to, you know, to kind of tier one, tier two, or, or boutique consulting firms, you know, with that expertise, they, they might not have that expertise. So things that perhaps we all take for granted in terms of models and frameworks and best practices and when to apply them and how to apply them and how to interpret the results, you know, unless you've been exposed to that, you don't necessarily have that knowledge or experience. So there you go, there's five, five to get you going, five barriers to strategy creation, that's what we should call them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the last point you made is, for me, one of the most important things um, in terms of a barrier because, you know, you and I are the sort of people that are passionate about what we're talking about here today, strategy, um, and we've been fortunate enough to have been around people that have taught us how to use these frameworks, how to apply um, the insights that we gain from, from from using them, but it's not something that is widely done Um, And it probably is because we, you know, our our careers have been around product, um, product marketing, like that enables us to be able to use those tools regularly. And I think um, definitely, definitely that that there's something that needs to be done, I believe, about educating and um, enabling these people, anyone really who's in a business role to be able to use these tools and frameworks themselves. (laughs) only through using them that you can learn and you can really uh grow and and help deliver more value i believe to your
1: customers yeah i I would agree you know it's kind of for me it's empowerment you know kind of making those best practices readily accessible uh and you and usable you know Mm. uh, with that guidance of how to use them when to use them uh, and so on but you know, but you know that's a barrier, and and you know, like 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 the other barriers, there there are ways to overcome that to smash through those barriers. Um, you know, without necessarily you know going to the outside to to get that skill and experience. Don't get me wrong. You know, you'll get great skill and experience, um, but there's no substitute for having that skill and experience within the company. Mm-hmm.
0: In in terms of um, reviewing your strategy. Um, I I read recently from CB Insights that 42% of companies um, actually end up shutting down (laughs) because there was no market need for their products or services. Uh, And when I read that, it made me immediately think of what we're going to be talking about today because it feels like if your finger's on the pulse, if you are collecting and analyzing and and, uh, applying that information, you know, you would be able to understand that maybe there isn't quite a a market product fit, for instance, new product introduction. Do you feel like the barriers to reviewing um, frequently your strategy are one and the same as the creation side? Or is there a different angle? Is there a different set of considerations that you would would, uh, put forward for what might block you or prevent you from effectively reviewing your strategy?
1: I mean, honestly, I just don't think there are any barriers to it other than time and discipline and, you know, modicum of common sense, you you know. So I I think to me, we we talked or I talked earlier about, you know, a world of annual strategic planning morphing into this this agile world, you know, that that won't happen overnight. Mm. And it might be that companies for a period of time will lay out an annual strategy, but then introduce the rigor of, of of reviewing it quarterly. I mean, that alone is a great step in the right direction, right? You know, mm-hmm. that might be followed by laying out, you know, six months worth of strategy and reviewing it, you know, midway, or, you know, companies will find that natural cadence. But I just don't see the barriers, you know, as long as you have, as I say, the discipline, Unlike us, when we come to our monthly meetings, of have not sticking to them. Um, you know, um, having that discipline and, and and having the information at your fingertips. You know, let's take an example: a strategic watch watch list. Right, having one list that's maintained at all times uh, of your risks, your assumptions, your threats, your opportunities, uh, things like that, and and you know, taking that into that strategic review. You know, together with you know some some sort of summary of, of what's changed, you know, from the people that are closest to those changes. You know, those th- those two precursors don't require much effort, and then bringing people together. Now you're into calendaring and and you know, mm. and and just you know lay out those those quarterly reviews ahead of time. So you know, so you've got a migratory path, but at the end of the at, at the end of the day, I, I, I personally I don't think that's difficult to introduce. A quarterly strategic review
0: how important do you think it is to have contributors from multiple levels because you mentioned there um you mentioned there about having people who are who who are what you know looking at that watch list um and they're they're gathering and, and inputting data and that's being used effectively to review is it crucial that you have someone for example who is in a uh in a market um within a vertical uh, sorry within a within a location is it important to have that sort of layer level of person involved and then a level above to kind of get a rich uh almost yeah a rich tapestry of, of insights is that something you would say is a little bit of a tidbit that you would offer forward is is don't just keep this at you know the exact level and, and let people beneath um contribute much like with Hoshin and Khan, Ray, they talk about catchball and having multiple levels in, involved is yeah. it important? To have different levels involved in in the creation and review process.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say. I think it's important for both. You know, it's important uh, for for you know fundamentally the, the same reason, regardless of whether it's strategy creation or you know as you, as you, as you put it, strategy review. You know, you you want you want the people that are the closest to the data to interpret the data. Yeah. Know, but at the end of the day, you can't have 50 or 100 people in, in, in each strategy with you. It, it, it would be unwieldy and, and you know, it, it's not, not a good idea. So um, I think the most important thing is the people who um, are interpreting that information that's presented to them on a quarterly basis are able to interpret it and, and see the insight and then be able to discuss it and then potentially take action on it. So I think you know that's kind of bleeding into another area, which we mm. again we we kind of touched upon this notion that of insufficient time. You know, it's hard when you've got a day job to carve out time to to think strategically. You know, t- tools help, but what if this was just an ongoing activity? You know, so there's no activity to update the competitive landscape on a monthly basis, or on a quarterly basis. You know, as something happens, it's captured. Mm when a new trend arrives it's captured in your you know if if the size of one of your target markets changes it's captured you know you almost want to capture that real time why wouldn't you right if one of the barriers to strategy creation is a lack of insight due to fragmented data then you know that's that's one you can begin to solve so but fundamentally to answer your question you know you want those subject matter experts to be involved in it you know you, you can't have strategy created in isolation I think that's true of creation and and review. Hmm.
0: So we talked a lot about uh, barriers and obstacles to creation and, and review of strategy. Um, I wouldn't you know, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't going to ask you what I'm about to ask you, which is that's all well and good, but how do you overcome them? You know, what What do organizations need to do in order to create a winning strategy?
1: Yeah, I haven't got a clue sorry you invited the wrong person <laughs> when you put me up there with Philippe and Pascal and Rachel and Frederick and I, I'm, I'm kidding you know look, they, they, you know, let's unpack all of the you know best practices and models and, and you know tomes that are out there I mean you know and, and let's look at the world through the lens of Nudel Loop right so probably you know people listening to this podcast Tom Boyd US Air Force observe orient decide act it's just a play on the P- pdca cycle but you know kind of looking at the world through that lens you want to observe what's going what's going on uh you want to orient you know to it to understand you know that inf- information that context around you you know you're then going to be making decisions and then you act on those decisions so you know you and i have talked haven't we about a, this, this kind of eight-step process and and you know ha- how how accessible that that might make strategy creation so uh you know, should we run through the eight absolutely okay so you know inspire shape observe gather orient explore develop and act so you know, let's take let's take those from the top. So what what do we mean by inspire? You know, this is mission, vision, values. You know, what we want to be when we're grown up. You know, why why are we in it, in existence? And you know, what are we trying to achieve? And you know, what are the values that are going to bind us together as an organisation to give us the best shot of, of of you know meeting those aspirations? So that's what we mean by inspire. And shape, you know, that, that's setting guardrails, right? You know, clearly, you know, we're in a software business, you know, even if there might be a fantastic opportunity in double glazing, guess what? We're, we're not going to go pursuing it, you know? So there are certain guardrails to, you know, help you determine what can and can't be, you know, be considered, what will and won't be acceptable and and, and so on. So that's what we mean by shape, you know, lay, lay those out from, from the beginning in terms of, uh you know constraints if you will you know constraints on on strategic thinking um observe you know that's kind of a, an easy one to talk about is it's it's a hard, harder one to do in practice which is you know look at your internal organization you know look at your external environments you know internally what are your skills what are your capabilities you know what are they today uh, how mission critical are they how, how mature are you as an organization you know, how prevalent are those skills across your organization? What's your organizational structure? Um, you know, so and then later on, you well, what are the skills and you know and and, um, and capabilities that we'll need in order to execute on our strategy? You know, how expensive will it be to to implement those and so on? So you know, taking a look at the internal organization, then poor deep breath. Looking at the external, you know, uh, environment. You, you know, what industries do you serve? What what markets do you sell into? Um, what do your cu- where's the customer value? What are the cust- What's the customer experience? What's going on with the competition? What are the analysts saying? Um, what about our partners? And what about influencers? So you've got this whole world out there of, of you know things and people, things that are happening, and and you know people that need to be considered as stakeholders. So you know having some way of kind of making sense of that external environment, making sense of that internal environment. And then you know, two steps down. You know, in this process, we'll 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 use that information. So that's kind of observe, and then gather. You know, I think there are kind of two, at least two aspects to this. One is, you know, let's go back to uh, agile strategy. You know, how did we do in in you know in, in in the last strategic review? Let's say it's quarterly, and taking some of those principles of agile of a retrospective. You know, and and taking that information on board when when looking at uh, the body of work for the next quarter, um, and and strategic ideas. We talked about innovations earlier, you know, and this is another good reason to involve everybody. You know, the best ideas come from the ground floor typically. Uh, you know, people have these great ideas. You need to capture them, prioritize them, and, and you know, percolate them up to the surface and 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 make use of them. So. You know some means of gathering and prioritizing those strategic ideas and at that point you're taking a second breath you know you've got all the pieces and parts that should help you to then you know decide your your on your on your strategic position you Know, orient is is how we talked about it so you know and and let's just take a simple example swat you know armed with that all of that information what are your internal strengths and weaknesses and what are your external opportunities and threats? Okay, that now you, you can start the process of strategy creation. You know, that's where you are, that's your strategic position. What are you going to do about it? What are the changes you're going to make? What are the things that you're going to aspire to achieve? How are you going to move the needle? And that's where, you know, you, you begin to explore different strategic options. And you know, conversely or symmetrically, it's strategic challenges. You know, it's great that you have strategic options to consider, and you know, different ways by which you can measure measure their their you know probability of success or you know whatever the case may be. Um, you know, there are going to be challenges if you if you go down these paths. So identify those early as well. You know, and that feeds in, into into your risk profile. So you know, there you go. You so you, you've explored your strategic growth options. You know, you've identified one or two um, that look very promising, and and now you know all, the next hard work starts to to really look into those um, strategic options, do scenario planning, scenario analysis, and ultimately you know craft a strategy and package it up um, you know for strategic planning. You know that that would be kind of the the very simple process, you know, simple by design and, and 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 hopefully useful, you know, because it because it's simple.
0: Thank you. By the way, I think um, there are lots of elements to that process, but what it what it does, from my perspective, is that and it's something that I I know I follow for sure. It, it gives you the ability to look at look at it as a process, look at it as a step-by-step. Um, and you know that in some cases you're going to have to be, um, you know, employing a SWOT analysis, uh, you know, conducting a VRIO analysis, you know, on the other hand, you're going to have to be making sure that you're, you're effectively, um, surveying the market and your, your competitors. And then all the way through to because, you know generating scenarios, I think it, it brings in so many elements of what many people listening probably already do day to day, but mm-hmm. it gives a, a very good structure to it. As, as you were as you were talking, one of the things that I know that we've spoken about offline is, is about once you've created that SWOT, for instance, is is finding a way to prioritize your learnings. Do you think that a prioritization, a classic prioritization that you might use or or model sorry, you might use for projects can be applied here in the sense of, you know, we have four strengths and we know that the first two are going to be, you know, they're they're, they're the things that we absolutely should be building our strategy around. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that prioritization is important? um, And can you do this process without having prioritization prioritization there?
1: Yeah, so to, to your second question, yeah, absolutely. You know, what we're talking about is, is you know, do, do you quantify those SWOT elements? You know, so you don't just create a strength, but you attach some sort of score, meaningful score to it. Uh, you know, it may be business impact, right? That would be a good one for a strength. Um, some of the strengths are going to yield a moderate business impact, and that's fine. And and some of your strengths might be yielding a monumental business impact, you know so why wouldn't you capture that it's it's you know in that case it's a single score which you know it, it is relatively easy to do you now how you then use that information is down to you know down to you and 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 your maturity and and I think what you're what you're hinting at and I would agree is you know start it off simple you know, eight steps or or maybe for you for listeners it might be six steps it might be four steps it might be you know step seven should be step nine and you know whatever the case may be you know keep it simple and 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 start to introduce that discipline start to collect that information start to go on that journey you know to grow up with respect to strategy creation and to make the most of all of that learning and, and you know body of knowledge that's out there on the web and in people's heads as to you know how you can you know how you can improve strategy creation and you know on that on that note you know just as an interesting aside you know you and i our day jobs are in the strategy execution domain um you know and everybody talks about how important it is that you have you know great strategy execution otherwise you you know you're going to fail to deliver but hey flash you know if you don't have a decent strategy in the first place it doesn't really matter how good you are at executing <laughs> wow. your strategy Uh, you know, you're not going to be successful strategically. So it is interesting going back to the beginning of this podcast and what we're saying about observations of what's going on. And I think people are grokking that, you know, this thing called strategy creation is is super important. It's Mm. been a little bit neglected or it certainly hasn't been done in an optimized, you know, structured way. um, And, you know, everything starts and stops with the strategy. But then per our day jobs, it's great that you've got a strategy um but you know how do you go ahead and plan the implementation of that strategy across your 40 locations you know your five thousand employees and and you know what I, I would append going going back again so i'm i'm, got your, I'm your editing nightmare on this podcast but you know <laughs> go back to what i was saying earlier about you know five barriers to strategy creation you know i, f- I forgot one this has got to be communication mm. you know it's got to be clarity and communication the two c's right you you've got to be able to express st- strategic intent really clearly so that people understand what you're trying to achieve. It sounds obvious, but, and then at, at the end of the cycle, it's like, once you've done that, when, once you've gone through the process, guess what? You've got to win the hearts and minds of your workforce. You need to be able to communicate that strategy so that everybody from the top floor to the shop floor understands it and, and how they fit into it and now we're bleeding into strategic planning and, you know, full we'll circle back to our day jobs. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's communication and and change management as a whole um, has been a consistent theme through the different strategy heroes that I've spoken to. Um, you know, you, you take Frederick Fjellstedt, who is a ocean Connery and Lean expert, Uh came up from the Toyota production system he talks about the four C's not too dissimilar from what you talked about there and communication is is something that you know he really really champions uh, you take talking to um, <clears throat> Rachel Neiman, who, who, whose focus was really all around change management and, and digital transformation. Again, win hearts and minds and do a great job communicating your intent and the benefits. And it's the same when we spoke to uh, Pascal Pascal Dennis, uh, who, who really takes all of these concepts and talks about how you should be using them to drive innovation and, and build upon operational basics. Change management and communication is clearly a constant in in any area of um strategic leadership so yeah with that with that in mind how do you how would you recommend that handover um takes place like what what's involved in the handover of we've created the strategy now go and execute it is there is there a best practice that you'd suggest that that makes it easier or is it a case of involving planners in that that eight step process that you talked about
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think all all of the above and, you know, every company is going to do this, you know, slightly differently. Um, You know, it would be crazy not to involve the strategic planning team, you know, as as part more than just a casual observer in in, in strategy creation. And, you know, I would expect in mid to large size enterprises, you know, they're, they're probably one and the same. You know, there's a strategy team who facilitates strategy creation. Um, you know, with the executive team, let's say, or line line of business leaders. Um, and they're the same people who would then, you know, in a top-down model, I, I, I hasten to add, who would then, you know, go into that strategic planning exercise that we, you know, we both dearly love, um, you know, where, where you're deciding, you know, how are we going to meet those objectives? What do we need to do in order to, you know, meet those strategic objectives that have come out of, uh, you know, strategy creation? And, and herein lies part of the answer, which is, you know, what's that line of demarcation, you know, theoretically, conceptually, it's it's a set of strategic objectives. Mm. It's got the color of the strategy behind it, but at the end of the day, it's a set of strategic objectives with some meaningful KPIs and, you know, some attainable, but hopefully somewhat aggressive tar- targets. Uh, and then, you know, strat- strategic planning kicks in and, you know, methodologies like Hoshin to drive alignment and, not just Hoshin, other other models too. Yeah, I think that's the line of demarcation, and and you know, just naturally they would both. The strategic planning team would be involved in both. They're, I'd imagine that they're, they're one of the same people in a top down.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember reading um, Hubert Jolie's, um book. the The book um, talks about having a noble cause, and the noble cause isn't necessarily you're doing something. Philanthropic. It's you have a clear identity, you have a clear direction of where you're going, and one of the things that I, if I dare say, I, I noticed as a gap in in his book was what we're talking about today. It's he was talking more about the execution side, not so much what we've been focusing on in terms of creation. Mm. To to sort of, I, I know, I know that uh, I know that there's a lot more that we could say, but. Um, to, to kind of bring this, this episode to a natural end, if you could pick one bit of advice from your, not just from this process that you've been going through in terms of building out the best practices for strategy creation, but from your entire career, um, if you could pick one bit of advice for CEOs and chief strategy officers that are that are listening um, or even those people that want to get to that stage in their career, and I'm sure you will, so keep going. But what would that one piece of advice be to those people around strategy creation?
1: I, th- I think, you know, it's a journey. And to your point earlier, that they are already on that journey in some shape or form. You know, it's not like companies aren't, aren't doing it. It's just that there are probably plentiful opportunities to... You know, to optimize it, to mature it, you know, to push it along. Um, so, so I think it would be start small. You know, just set set modest goals, um, and, and embed embed that in the organization, and and temper your enthusiasm, um, and and just get you know what you and I talk about sometimes is the bobby basics in place. Just get some basic structure. Um, some basic rigor, some basic discipline. And I think this is true of any you know, beyond this sphere as well. And and then build from there. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think, you know, change management is is difficult. You know, don't don't try and bore the ocean. You know, just just mm. start small, do do that well. And then, you know, there are no end of resources and, and methodologies and frameworks and perspectives and learnings that you can you know that you can read about watch listen to um you know to then take those next steps forward on, on that on that journey or on that kind of maturity can continue you did say one it was lengthy but it was just still one
0: <laughs> I'm sure we could have a whole other episode uh around around those little tidbits um but thank you I I, I think that's that's invaluable um to to our audience and, and on the topic of, of taking the next steps in your journey. Um, what I would recommend to anyone listening is, is if you want to hear more from James, uh, James has written a lot around this subject, and I would definitely recommend that you head over to your search engine, Google or Bing or whatever that might be, uh, and type in iNexus blog or visit blog.inexus.com. Uh, and you can learn more about the best practices and actually get real insight that you can put into practice um around strategy creation and and, and much more but for now uh, I want again I want to thank you James for for your time. I know that um this is something that you and I have been talking about for a while and I'm I've been really excited to to just prepare for this podcast but actually to run through it has been um yeah it's been amazing. so again thank you for for joining us um on today's episode
1: yeah pleasure it's been it's been fun thanks James.
0: Until next time today, uh, that has been our strategy hero, James Davis, and we look forward to our next episode. Thank you.